Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, and welcome to Wannabe, the podcast that takes you from where you are now to where you want to be in 30 minutes or less. I'm Imriel Morgan, founder of Content is Queen, a podcast agency and community for ambitious podcasters. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here. Wannabe's focus is to help you take consistent action to build a successful life and career in the creative and entertainment industries. I pulled together this season just before my baby girl arrived and changed my entire world. As always, I let my curiosity lead the way when curating these conversations. This season is no different. But this time, I speak to mums who continue to level up their careers after the babies have arrived. I can assure you that while every guest is a parent, this isn't a parenting podcast. So expect the same great practical steps to elevate your career. Before we get to our incredible guest, just a quick note for any aspiring or current podcasters listening. If you are looking for a cozy and affordable professional studio space, or perhaps you want some free resources and insights and tips and tricks to grow your podcast, head on over to contentisqueen.org where you can find out how you can level up your podcast today. Right, now it's time to get on to what you came here for. Today's guest is an experienced TV and radio presenter. She's a podcaster, bursting with energy and attitude, and you will hear it in this interview. Allow me to introduce you to Sharla Tahira. Sharla is the co-host on BBC Radio One Extra Talks alongside Richie Brave. She's also a co-host on Badass Mums, the podcast. Sharla's aim is to create a community for working mums who want to have it all, a career and a family. I know that's right. In today's episode, Sharla shares the obstacles she's faced trying to build a career as a presenter in radio. She gets candid about the reality of building a career and having to take a break to raise her children. Sharla also shares how she was able to find her authentic presenting voice and style. And I tell you, that is so, so important. It's something that I'm still working on myself. Let's get into it. Who did you want to be before you became who you are today and why? Oh, I think I still want to be her. (laughs) Oprah? Oh my gosh. (laughs) Has anyone said that before? I literally interviewed Candice Brathwaite and she said said Oprah too. (laughs) It was between her and I also did grow up watching Fern Cotton a lot okay i just really loved what they were doing i really loved their energy really loved just everything everything about them they just seemed so glamorous and exciting and i love that they got to talk to people because that's what i love doing so 
Yeah. Nice. And how have you carried on the characteristics of Oprah and Fern Cotton into your life and career today? I wouldn't say my presenting style is like either of them actually now, but that royal interview Oprah did, I still love how she's just able to get people to really open up and be really honest and authentic. And I do try to implement that into my presenting. But I think I've tried to, especially in the last two years, just be more of myself rather than this like presenter character who I feel like everyone like oh I'm gonna be a presenter now and actually it's just about being more of yourself what does that mean though like what does that mean to you to be more of yourself do you have like an internal sense check of actually I feel like I'm delivering authentically and coming from an authentic place like how do you know I think it's the for me personally it's the delivery so mm. uh, when I first started working in in media I had a lot of my friends I'm from South London Lucian <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I had a lot of them being like, oh, you, t- you talk so white now. Oh, really? Yeah, like a lot of shame around like my pronunciation and like certain words I was using. This was off the back of going to university. And so I got really in my own head about how I phrase things and the, the mm. language I use. And now I've got to a point where I'm like, I just talk. If I'm delivering a pitch to like a corporate company, I might refine obviously the slang I'm going to throw in there. But I mean, I was in front of Sadiq Khan on Friday and someone said something and I started doing this and I was like, forget it. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's what I would do. That's, That's me being my true self. So I think it's about just knowing that balance of just being authentic to like what you really believe and what you really want to say and just tweaking some of the phrasing depending on who you're in front of rather than having to talk a certain way for a certain person. Do you know what I mean? I do actually. Before uni, I think my accent has always been considered posh or white or whatever. And I remember going to a job interview actually, like one of the first jobs fresh out of uni. And the interviewer was from Oxbridge. Like he had come from like he went to Oxford and did history or something. But he himself was from like the school down the road from my house. Okay. And he was like, Oh, why do you speak like that? You're from the ghetto. Why do you speak like that? I was like, squeeze me? I'm from the what? (laughs) Because I'm I'm actually not. (laughs) So I was like I actually, I just grew up in like a regular house on a regular street with regular parents. I mean, I was literally like completely through me. And weirdly, as you mentioned, Sadiq Khan, I talked to him about that because I had interviewed him uh, for the podcast way back. And he also had that kind of coming up from like a working class background and feeling this pressure to change and to kind of, I guess, I don't know, be more palatable. But that was a long story to get to. What changed for you to make you then feel like you could confidently show up as yourself? Was there like a moment or a switch or yeah, just what, what happened? What changed? What made you feel like you could just be you? It was a lot of relearning about just what it means to be a a black woman and actually there's not sounding white or sounding black do you know what I mean yeah it's not a thing yeah (laughs) so I think accepting that and also I think and it's quite recent but a definite drastic shift in everything I started doing was around 2020 and George Floyd and that uprising and the Black Lives Matter movement I really started to realise that I was actually doing a disservice to my communities by not being more authentic. And actually, I'm bringing something really unique to the table. And I don't need to sound like Lauren, who lives in Hampshire. Like, I actually just need to sound like Charlotte from South London because I'm representing something that's not represented enough. I really commend you for, like, going through that change process because so many of us don't. And we get really worried 
It's not easy. And I'd been doing the old, I like, I'd been turning on the Charlotte Tahira for, I've been doing this since 2013. So that's seven years of thinking I had to become a presenter when the mic comes on instead of just being my, my normal energetic self and just talking naturally. Mm. Yeah. And in terms of that shift, right, has that shifted even opportunities that have come your way, how people approach you, how people like even, yeah, just the types of opportunities that you get. Has that shifted and changed now that you feel like you've kind of stepped more authentically into yourself? I've kind of become like a bit of a voice for young black women, which is funny because oh, I, I don't feel that young, but <laughs> <laughs> the panels and things I get booked for, there's always a bit more of a, a focus on like the content, whereas before it was much more like podcast culture fluffy fun even I was very heavily music focused content whereas I moved into more speech-based stuff and so now I'm actually trying to find that balance of like I love music like I don't want to forget about music but I do want to make sure the content I'm putting out there is making people think whether that's in a fun way or in a serious way but just actually not just doing stuff for the for the views for the clickbait like that's what I was really on before like just doing stuff just fluff do you know what I mean but yeah it wasn't easy it wasn't easy the transition there is something about transitioning with content as you mature you just find like the things that used to hold or grab your attention just no longer do or you just like just grow out of it even down to the content I listened to uh, when I started in podcasting in 2014 for 2015 it's not that I would never touch those podcasts again but I just haven't like I naturally just grew out of it and it's so strange because sometimes people grow with their creators don't they so you really go on a journey and I think YouTube's really been able to kind of capture that where people really go through <laughs> really follow you through your life and your big moments and your big chapters how do you balance your work and motherhood we're in entertainment we're in the creative space it's not notoriously known to be well paid unless you really leap into like BBC, full blown BBC TV presenting or mainstream media presenting. And even then, <laughs> those gigs are kind of few and far between, especially if you're a black and especially if you're a woman. It is a daily, if not daily, weekly adaption process with the different needs as well. So my daughter, who's now almost four, is completely different to my son, who's almost one. Like completely wow. different. So I'm definitely re relearning how to do this because it's, it's changing as they're getting older. It's a constant battle. I definitely live by my calendar. If it's not in my calendar, it doesn't exist because there's just there's just too much going on in my brain to also like remember things. You have to literally have it in front of me on paper or on my phone. And also I'm really lucky that obviously their father's really present and active in their life. So we manage our schedules so if I have like a presenting gig that's say in the evening while they're not at preschool, we manage to negotiate it to where you can be with the kids tonight or vice versa. So yeah, it's about, I think definitely having that support, definitely being very organized and specific with your time. Would you have described yourself as an organized person prior to having kids though? Or did that come with parenthood? No, I was more organized and now I can't be oh, really? as organized as I want to be because it's just impossible. <laughs> like... And I really struggled with that. Like, I really struggled with that lack of 
control that I couldn't mm. have anymore because I've got a whole other person who's actually controlling the narrative. Like, yeah, that was that was difficult for me because I'm an organized freak. Like I've got calendars and tick boxes and everything you need to be organized. I, I live by it. And, and yeah, having kids just threw all of that out the window, to be honest. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> I'm not organized. I'm literally a ball of chaos. So I feel like... It's like a tornado entering a tornado now. <laughs> At this point, I'm like, pure destruction will happen. I don't know. <laughs> Just going to deal with it. Can you tell us about your podcast, first of all, and like, what was the catalyst for starting it? Why did you think it was important? Yeah, so it's called Badass Mums, and it aims to be a community space for young working mums who just want it all we're always being told like oh you, you gotta be a mum or you gotta be a wife or you gotta be a career woman like we want to be all of those mm. things Do you know what I mean we want a, a loving relationship we want a healthy family and we want a really high earning successful career like it's not we just want to do a job we want to be successful career women and I just Love remember that. yeah like come on let's normalize that <laughs> <laughs> I love that so much <laughs> and so while I was pregnant there was a few women who also work in entertainment industry who was pregnant at the same time. And it was, it was oh, nice. kind of organic. Like I was just like, guys, I feel like I'm alone in this, but I'm obviously not because you're going through this as well. Let's come together and do a podcast together. And yeah, it was, it was really exciting because we even... In those first episodes, you'll hear the babies in the background. Like they were so young <laughs> that we had to just bring them to the studio. We're still breastfeeding or like bottle feeding. I don't think we realised what we was doing until people started reacting after we started releasing episodes. Like I don't think we right. realised at that moment what a gap in the market it was. And now mm. there's some amazing, like you've got Dope Black Mums. You've got so many other podcasts that focus around motherhood. But I think definitely at that time, there wasn't really anything like it that was targeting specifically black women and black women who was going against what's the traditional stereotype of a black woman to be a homemaker and actually no I'm gonna be a homemaker but I'm also gonna be an amazing career woman as well and I'm gonna do both of them equally as good which now I'm not gonna lie it's a crazy thought it's not easy to achieve (laughs) (laughs) some days you won't be your boss career woman and some days you'll have a rubbish day and have loads of mum guilt but just trying to do both as best as you can as often as you can I love that. It sounds super uplifting and you're right. Even though there are slightly more than there were before, compared to how many mum and parenting podcasts there are in this world full stop, (laughs) like there's such a tiny amount that focus on black women and motherhood and the diversity of that experience as a whole. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Oh. And like you said, you carved out a niche around like, you know, I still want to have it all. I'm still ambitious. I still have goals, desires, dreams that exist beyond me being mum. What was life like post babies for you? And like, how did you find your transition from newborn stage, basically, to then going back to work? And what was it like taking that first step back to the mic or back to the, the event? What was that like for you? 
So, I mean, a lot of mums will probably shame me for admitting this, but I was exactly like you in the sense that I was terrified of what this was going to do to my career. As much as I've always wanted to be a mum, I felt like I was finally getting to, you know, you feel like you're finally making some, some like mm-hmm. room to like, yeah, take on new stuff and then... Yeah, bomb drops. And I pushed myself <laughs> too hard, honestly. Like, I look back, I'm crazy. I went out and filmed something. I think it was about four days after she was born. Wow. Okay, wow. So, okay. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I was very lucky. I had a really smooth birth. And so I was like, I remember the, the production company messaging me. It was like a visual thing as well. So I had to like put makeup and everything. And they were like, we can always delay it. We can delay it one week. But I just got this contract while I was pregnant. And I was like, no, I don't want them thinking I can't do it now because I've had the baby now. I'm going. And I went and I did the job. And I, it wasn't my best. It definitely wasn't my personal best. And I think that's something like a lesson. Like sometimes you can't push yourself because then you're going to let yourself down as well. But looking back on it, I was like, you're crazy and I think what that did was not only was I trying to like prove to myself I weren't just going to become this mom who just doesn't do her career or passions anymore I think it also sent a message to like my friends and family that Charlotte's fine she doesn't need any support Mm. she's killing it look she's already back at work like and so with my my children's father and with my friends and family I felt that they kind of especially me being a new mum, first mum, just took a step back a bit because it was like, oh, she's all right. And actually that had devastating effects down the line where I was never officially diagnosed, but I think I definitely suffered with some postnatal depression when River Mm. was around seven, eight months. And I just felt overwhelmed with everything, overwhelmed with pressure to like get back into my career now, overwhelmed with just being a stay-at-home mum who was majority of the time by herself because their dad yeah. was working full-time at the airport, so really anti-social hours. And then also my family just being like, yeah, she's fine. So they that, there wasn't that network of support. And mm. I think this time around, I definitely put much more firm things in place as far as like, I'm not going to do any work until this period. Because it was like, throughout that whole post-birth with my daughter that whole year I think my key thing that affected my mental health is there just wasn't support for me Mm. it was all about her or it was all about the husband or the work like there was no one really checking in on like are you okay how are you doing even taking this big break from your career you're such a career woman how is that feeling I've seen all my peers and some of them are flying now like people who are who was on the same level as me but I took that break to have the children and so it was a lot for me. I'm not going to lie. Like, I don't know actually how I survived it, looking back on it, because it was a lot. It was a lot. It sounds like a lot. And thank you so much for sharing that so honestly. Because I think it really touched a nerve. Because it is a concern that I have. And I have, or I have been diagnosed in the past with depression and anxiety. Thankfully, I've not had too many bouts in the last couple of years. But I'm definitely, like, in the back of my mind, I'm like, well, I'm predisposed to postpartum depression. And this pregnancy has not been easy. I've had fibroids. There's been complications with that. That's been a nightmare. Yeah. (laughs) I'm already like, this baby needs to chill out. And then obviously, like I said, I've got a festival that's coming up within eight weeks of labor. So you already know that you've got that. Yeah. It's like, while I'm giving birth, I'm going to be thinking, okay, hopefully this will go smooth because I need to be okay for eight weeks time. Do you know what I mean? That extra pressure. I get that. Yeah, exactly. It is a lot. It's a lot, a lot of pressure, especially when you are building something for yourself and you want it to be 
done well. The perfectionist in me wants to see it succeed and see it succeed in a very specific and particular way. But there is something about relinquishing that control that I have to learn and have to kind of like come to terms with because I cannot, I just know that this is just brand spanking new. And like you said, actually, I love that you said that the concern you had or like what ended up manifesting was like you went back to work and everyone basically thought you're fine and that has been my biggest concern and I've literally not heard anyone else talk about this but then again I I don't frequent that many mother spaces yet Uh, but I've never heard anyone talk about that because like one of my concerns about giving birth in particular with my partner is that if the birth isn't difficult or challenging I feel like his presence there, seeing me not scream like a banshee, for example, he will just assume that it was fine and therefore I am fine. And so it wasn't that bad. And therefore I have no reason to complain. I'll tell you this, girl. They don't get it. They don't get it. (laughs) I think no matter how understanding your other half is, unless they have to do it, they will never get it. And they will take for granted that yeah, you was all right though. I've had because uh, because he's heard horror stories from other people, and oh, so to him, gosh. I'm just superwoman. But no, I just kept control of the situation. Now you're on the other side of that, and you've got a one year old and a four year old, and like you said, life is different now, or at least like their needs are different, and so you're adapting and finding ways to navigate your work, your career, and has that been feeling good for you? Like, are you? in a place of contentment in the direction that you're going how are you feeling about your career today compared to how you were feeling a year or like seven eight months into the last pregnancy honestly I think with my daughter I only started feeling like myself when she was two and again the mothers are gonna shame me I'm counting down till Rio's two because when I got pregnant with Rio I just landed the co-host slot on One Extra Talks and Honestly, I was just like, this couldn't come at worst time in. Like, oh, and really? I know they say there's never a good time. There's never a good time. But for me, that was the worst time for me to have to step away from something that I've been trying to get for such a long time. And so now this year specifically, I've really tried to set time in my calendar for my passions and my presenting because up until now I've just been winging it and um, it was in talking to a a therapist who I've been meeting with who was like what do you do for you like when and I was like oh well my work I love it like that that's what I love that's what I do for me and it was like well how often do you do that and it was like oh well I normally around 9 10 p.m after I've eaten dinner then and it's like I'm not giving my passions the time they deserve so I had to have some really honest conversations with their dad about when it comes to our schedule we need to sort some things out because I'm not doing what I love I'm not giving enough energy to what I love and I'm starting to resent Rio for it because in my head you're the reason I can't do these things because I'm having to spend so much time with you so yeah I think I wouldn't say I'm perfectly happy with where my career is at at the moment but I'm definitely happy that I'm consciously making more efforts for it because for a long time while River was young and even especially while Rhea was a newborn it just wasn't it just wasn't a priority and I think when you do have a passion especially a career that you're passionate about you're not a bad mum for making time for something that you want to do just for you and I think that's where society gets it wrong and makes us feel that way so it's just about I think with if you have that option of of having their partner there or or the father there just making sure that you make sure they understand 
I'm going to have time that I'm not around. And it's not because I'm cleaning. It's not because I'm cooking. It's not because I'm with the kids. I'm doing things just for me. And that way, even if you're not where you're at your career, you'll feel like you're still making progress towards where you want to be. That's so important. Finding the time to do the things you love, even if it's not even work related. Just having even a pocket of a, a day that's like this half an hour is mine <laughs> so I think yeah logically that all makes sense but then I guess when you're in the thick of the emotions and the heaviness of what that can feel like sometimes it's really hard to see that that's an okay thing to do I would love to know where you get your audacity from like where does the the bravery and the courage to still push on and persevere where does that come from that drive it's actually part of my imposter syndrome <laughs> so i read there's this imposter syndrome called the superwoman okay oh all right uh, it's kind of it plays on badass mums very well the whole concept of you feel like you have to do it all and have it all and and don't drop a play and i think from a young age i actually was in school being told you're not going to get any ACC GCSEs you're probably going to be that teen mom who works in a shop even within my family household I'm one of 10 so there's loads of us and I was wow yeah Uh, so and I was the sibling who was like you're the dumb one you're the you're the one who says silly things and my brother was really good at maths and science and my other brother was really creative like do you know what I mean they all had their little lanes and I couldn't really Mm. see what my lane was at that time And so I think part of it is the inner child in me going, you're going to prove them all wrong. Everyone who doubts you, you're going to prove them wrong. And as I've moved into the industry, it's been not so much about proving my family or my teachers wrong. Now it's about proving wrong that station manager who didn't give me a shot or Mm. that production company who went with someone else. I just want to prove that I'm good enough because I was told for such a long time, like, you're not good enough. Yeah. That's kind of sad. I'm so sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. do you know what I mean? I didn't know that was what it was, though. I've had to do a lot of work to, like, realise that's why I am so determined. And I think part of the passion does also just come from enjoying what I do. I leave work happier than when I start. Like, when I'm like, oh, you that's got film today. And it's like, oh, the kids was up at three, getting in bed and all that. And so th- there is that, like, oh, are you going to really make it through today? But then once I get there, because I love it so much, it's like, it how could you, you have not, yeah, how could you not done this? Yeah. I mean, a lot of people are driven by that motivation. So I don't think it's inherently a bad thing. I think being aware of it is a good thing. Because if you're not aware of it, you'll, you might end up making decisions that aren't necessarily for your highest good. What are you working on improving right now? Oh, probably my patience. You always see this online. There's a timing for everything. And I I always think like it was such a cliche, but it's so funny. This year, remember I said that I was going to really focus on designating time for, mm-hmm. for presenting. And then this year, all alignment, I got a really impressive mentor who's going to help me with my presenting. And the agency that I've been trying to contact for like three years, finally... Uh, like talking about taking me on so I think it's also that accepting that it's not it doesn't have to look how you thought it was gonna look especially once you become a parent the things I could do pre-children I used to be at events like four or five times a week so naturally I was networking more I was out more I was more Mm -hmm. do you know what I mean I was just more in people's faces whereas now I can't can't go to an event for bants do you know how much that costs me like from the childcare to the travel to i've skipped in and i have to buy dinner like it's just it costs too much 
to even River <laughs> saying, Mummy, you didn't put me to bed last night. It costs too oh, much. No. So I have to be really selective with my time. And I think that plays into the patience thing and knowing that social media is just the devil. Like it's a, it's a, it's a devil and it's an angel, but it will have you thinking that people are working 24 seven around the clock and mm-hmm. you're not doing enough all the time. And actually it's like, no, people just choose their moments well and they maximize yeah. their moments. And I think that's what I'm having to learn. Timing and patience actually will get you where you want to go. It's just, don't expect it to look how you thought it was because then you just beat yourself up for it not going the way you thought it was going to go. Yeah, I completely understand that. And I hear that so, so spiritually, like it isn't going to never manifest the way you think it's going to manifest. I don't think enough of us take stock of when we say yes to things, even if we're not parents, when you say yes, there's always something that you're saying no to. And what are you saying no to? And have you really tallied that up if it's worthwhile? So yeah, I think that's really, really great, really valuable very insightful thank you final question is what is the best advice you've ever received and what is the worst advice you've ever received okay so worst advice i think is and and you have to take this carefully and you have to know when to apply it but it's basically caring too much about what other people think because i remember the first station i was on the station manager was like your voice is really annoying and this was a radio station. That's rude. It hit me hard. Like it made me think, what, what are you doing with your life? You're doing the complete wrong thing. And so I took on his advice and tried to, again, this was back when I was still finding my my true voice, change how I'm talking. Do I talk a bit lower? Like, don't really excited. All this like it, it really impacted me because I was just listening too much to what other people think. So I think that's key definitely like just just don't take on what people say too much and then I guess the best advice and this is definitely mums related if someone who came on badass mums Marie who was like stop comparing my parenting to your parenting because there are things that you think are okay that I don't think are okay and vice versa so even at a level of like when it comes to family I don't need to parent my child how you parented yours okay So I think that's the best advice I would give mums. Just stop trying to parent like other people's children. Just parent, focus on parenting your own. I love it. Thank you so much, Shayla. This has been so fun. So insightful. I've learned so much. I feel weirdly more prepared (laughs) than I could have ever been. So I appreciate you. Thank you so much for your time. No, you're so welcome. Thank you for having me. How refreshing was her honesty? I loved talking to Shala. Honestly, I could have kept going. Be sure to keep up with her journey on Instagram at Shala Tahira. That's spelled S-H-A-H-L-A-A-T-A-H-I-R-A. And check out her podcast, Badass Mums, wherever you get your podcasts. That's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening. I hope this half an hour has made you think, reflect and contemplate what your next step should be. I'd like to encourage you to think about one person who would benefit from the messages shared today. And I'd love for you to share this episode with them right now. If you'd like to keep up with the latest episode releases, do follow Wannabe on your favorite podcast player and follow us on Instagram at contentisqueenhq. Until next time, bye. This is a Content is Queen production, hosted and produced by me, Imriel Morgan. Editing and sound design by Joseph Perry.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 